Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. At home in the Baseball America podcast nook, Aaron Fitt and John Manuel joining you from uh, Durham, North Carolina. Thanks for joining us. We're sponsored by MLB Network. And our college coverage is actually going to be sponsored by Dick Sporting Goods this year, uh, Aaron. Not our college coverage. I'm sorry. Our draft coverage will be sponsored by Dick Sporting Goods. We're excited that uh, recognizable companies are. And, and of course, our top 25 is, is sponsored by the good people at Nike. That's right. And Steve uh, Stobbs, Charlie Stobbs, and the good people at Nike. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, the college blog is sponsored by uh, our friends at DeMarini. That's so. right. Now we have uh, people. Uh, people want to be associated with our college coverage, Aaron. That's a good thing. And uh, we we thank those people for allowing us to do what we do. And uh, first part of this, you know, you're, you're we're recording this podcast here in Durham. You've been here for the. For the college preview issue, the college preview issue is shipped out the door. Uh, really, just uh, we email it, <laughs> you know, to, to someone. We really don't, we don't do that. Now, back in the day, on the Boulevard of Linden, when the when Alan Schwartz worked here and Jim Callis were all in the office, um, you know, Alan or Jim or someone else, James Bailey sometimes would take their car and drive down to Benson, North Carolina, and physically drive the issue to the printer in Benson. Now our printer is elsewhere. I forget where. I think it's in Wisconsin. But I always love those old kind, the old time baseball America stories. Back when guys like J.D. Drew were still in college. Uh, you know, A.J. Hinch was in college. So a new, a, you know, the, the college preview we get back to it every year. But obviously the players have changed so much. And here in the, the college baseball landscape, it seems like it's going to change quite dramatically this year. I think a lot of, the, I think we expect a lot of the familiar names at the top of the rankings. But I mean. I don't think we expect anybody to go 30-30 like J.D. Drew did back in 1997. No. And I don't think we're expecting anybody to hit 450 this year, even at some smaller school. I mean, do you expect to see anyone in a BCS caliber league me, hit 400? Let me tell you something, John. If if George Springer played in 1997, he would go 40-40 this year. With those uh, with the with the minus five bats, I think you're right. George Springer would have gone crazy. He could have with the minus three bats, he would have threatened 30-30. I think I think year. so. I absolutely do. Yeah, but uh, and, and and he's part of an, he's part of the you know one of the not familiar names at the top of the rankings. UConn number nine this year, but uh, the game players like Springer who have some athleticism are going to be it seems like more valued. I, do, do you anticipate a more athletic yes. college baseball going forward because of the bats and because of uh, you know the, the the fact that the game seems like it's going to be less offensive in the future. Absolutely. You know, schools are already changing the way they recruit. Uh, even a place like LSU, which traditionally has, you know, it's so um, intertwined with, with the idea of the, of the long ball, you know, their, their whole identity. But, uh, you know, those guys are changing the way they're recruiting. They're like everyone else. They're, they want the athletes. They want the arms. Uh, I think that's how you have to build your team now. You know, you, the, the guys who, who are just moderate, you know, college kind of power hitters. I think we've talked about this before on the yeah. podcast, but, um, you know, their power is going to drop off. I mean, it's one thing if you get an elite bat. If you get Anthony Rendon, he's going to square balls up. Right. And he's going to hit balls out. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think the, the national leader this year for home runs, uh, you know, it could be between 15 and 20. Um, you know, I mean, if that. You're predicting a down year for Dan Paolini of Siena. Is that what you're saying? I, yes, I am. I mean, compared to last year, you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna do what he did last year, for instance. I would I would be shocked if he hit 26 home runs again, or if anybody else hit 26 home runs. I think if yeah. you hit 20 in college baseball, you're gonna be having a a, a monster year. year. And you know, Anthony Rendon hit 23. Uh, I think he's hit 20 each of his two seasons at Rice. Um, you know, I, I don't see him I don't see his performance falling off too terribly much. Um, but it, but we're we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. 
But it is going to be, I think, a different season. Like I said before, I do think a lot of the familiar names in terms of schools are going to be at the top of our rankings. Our preseason rankings have been out for about a week now, a little bit more than a week, Aaron. Uh, You were back in California when we released the rankings. Uh, Let's talk about the top of the rankings. Uh, Three teams, our top three all were in Omaha last year in Florida, UCLA, Texas Christian. Um, Florida, the only one of those teams that didn't win a game in Omaha, and the Gators are number one. I guess it's almost, is it fair to say that when the Caldwell Series was over last year and you were doing eight for Omaha, at that time was Florida the number one to start 2011 and then yeah. something else would have had to happen for them not to be the number one? Yeah. In my mind, yes. It was Florida and UCLA at that time were uh, the clear top two teams, you know, in, in Omaha last year, heading, looking forward a year. Um, and, and for me, Florida was a tick above just because they, they're, they're just so deep. They're so balanced. Right. They have no holes. I don't see a hole. I mean, it, you can say, well, they don't have Garrett Cole or Trevor Bauer at the top. But they do have, you know, besides having a really really good group of starters, guys like Brian Johnson and Hudson Randall and Panaliotis, they have Carson Whitson, who's really the X factor. I mean, I, that was the one thing that has changed since yeah. the end of Omaha last year. That changed for the positive. They yeah. got a first-round pick talent in Carson Whitson in. So, I mean, if he's, you know, I mean, there's no reason. Well, I won't say there's no reason. He could be as good as Matt Perk was last year. He could have that kind of an impact. You know, I mean, it's it's possible. Uh, he'll go 16-0 just because he's right. not pitching. Nothing against the Mountain West, but the Mountain West is not the SEC. Right. So I, I, I would imagine he's not going to go 16-0, but I could definitely see him being our freshman of the year. Sure, and and as Perk was, and boy, it's a strong field for that award too. It's, it really uh, is. It's a great, it's a great, great freshman class. It's a great, great junior class. Sophomore class is fairly deep, but does not have the kind of impact talent at the top. But well, uh, the, the, a lot of the top sophomores are, are eligible this year, like Matt Perk. That's right. You know, if Matt Perk were in the sophomore class, the 2012 college draft class, it would look a whole heck of a lot better. I agree. Because right now there's no there's no clear number one. Our, our top 50 by class lists, of course, were posted on the internet yesterday, um, and uh, yeah, we're recording this on a Thursday, so yeah, February 3rd. And and in that sophomore class, I mean, you'll notice after Perk, who's you know draft eligible, um, the next guy, it's I think it's Kenny DeKroger, John, and and there's no consensus there. I mean, he I think he beat out Devin Marrero by one vote from major league scouting directors for our, our first team All America spot. So those two guys are are neck and neck. I think Jake Barrett and, and Mark Capella are both big, big arms uh, that uh, you have done it in the bullpen, though, but they have not started. That's right. In college, and, not and, consistently. And in Appel's case, I think he's going to stay in the bullpen for now at least, but, but he is electric. You know, both those guys are. Um, so, you know, those guys I think are very intriguing, but they're, they're not at the level of, of a Cole or a Perker or a Sonny Gray. And you're looking at this, four of our top ten sophomores are draft eligible this year. Matt Perk, Andrew Susak, Andrew Chafin, and then, of course, Brian Goodwin at six who was at North Carolina now at Miami Dade. So that also subtracted talent from that sophomore class. Um, but you, as you look at that, one of the biggest reasons that Florida is our number one is there are lots of Florida Gators on that sophomore list. Makes all kinds of sense. We had five Gators last year on our uh, all-freshman team. Um, so the Gators are number one. What's the you – know, like you said, we don't really necessarily have a uh, – a, there's not a big weakness for Florida – what are the pitfalls on the en route to a na- potential national championship for the Gators? What are the, what are the biggest things that have to happen for them, in your mind, for them to fulfill this uh, number one ranking? Well, you know, they have to deal with, with expectations first, first and foremost, and I'm not too worried about that. I mean, I think that coaching staff does a really good job keeping Florida grounded, um, but, uh, but that, that is something that, you know, 
a lot of highly ranked teams do fall victim to. I mean, you know, UCLA in 2007 and Texas A&M in 2008 are two really good examples of teams that were very talented, right. were preseason number one, and did not come close to living up to their talent. Um, but I, I don't, I don't see that danger for Florida. You know, I, I just think that they're, they're just too good and and they're too well coached. Um, do, do you think that lack of, you know, do you think that like, for me, I, I don't know that he has to emerge, but I would feel a lot better about Florida if, if and by May Carson Woodson is their number one guy and they yeah. have a a true power arm in their top three of their rotation because Pantaleotis, Hudson Randall. And Brian Johnson. Uh, Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson's kind of a power arm, but he's not. He's not. He's not a perk. He's not right. a Cole. He's not a Bauer. That would make me feel better. I'd rather take my chances if I were for the Gators with Carson Whitson shutting down that UCLA team or TCU and matching up with Cole or Perk if you ran into those guys in Omaha but, but here's, on but the road to Omaha. Would you? Well, but here's the thing, John. For me. Um, with the new bats this year, I mean, I hate to keep harping on the new bats, but it's going to be so significant. you got guys who can throw strikes and who compete and who attack hitters, and you've got a good defense behind you like Florida does. Yes. I don't think you have to strike everybody out. I think you're almost better off if you're, if you're pitch efficient and you, and you pitch to contact and you have Nolan Fontana and Josh Adams gobbling up ground balls up the middle. And, and this staff generates a ton of ground balls. Uh, you know, Hudson Randall and, and um, you know, Paco Rodriguez, those guys are, are really good. Greg Larson, they're really good ground ball pitchers. Um, all, the, all their staff, you know, they do, very, they do that very well. And the thing is that Florida, uh, one of their biggest advantages is they don't have to be pitch efficient. They've got the deepest bullpen in the country. Great point, too. So if you knock out one of those guys early, they've got, you know, Tommy Toledo's lurking in their bullpen. who was a third-round pick at a high school. You know, this, guy, this is a guy that most other schools in our top 25 – would be relying on this year as a fourth-year junior coming off Tommy John surgery, and at Florida, he's he is a luxury. And he's did, a decided luxury. Ditto Nick Mirande and Anthony DeSclafani. Absolutely. And now those, on those, and on. When those two guys, when Mirande and DeSclafani signed on last year, they were the biggest parts in the last couple of years of okay, this is their projected weekend rotation. Yeah. And now it's been guys like Pantaleotis who's emerged. He might even lose his weekend rotation spot. Spot. Johnson, Randall. The one other question I have about Florida. They are so reliant on Brian Johnson. Yeah. And it's just surprising for a team that is that deep and has that kind of talent, three straight top six recruiting classes, to be that reliant on a two-way player in the middle of their lineup or the front of the rotation. I think he's not up to it. That's a lot to ask of a player. We saw wear down Joe Savory with Rice in 2007, and Rice wasn't as deep as Florida. So it didn't shock me. I wasn't as dismayed that Rice asked so much of savory, whereas I'm surprised that Florida asks so much to me. Johnson said DH. I, I'm surprised to see him penciled in as the first baseman, and, the, and I'm also surprised to see him penciled in as the Friday starter. The thing is that they they have the luxury of if you know he starts to get worn out, or, or even if he doesn't, if they just want to be preventive, they've got the luxury of of, of doing that in many different ways. They can right. put Preston Tucker at first base. They can uh, you know they can they can at first base. put Carson Whitson in the rotation instead of you know Johnson if he, if that becomes an issue. I mean, well, again, Leo, this has pitched a College World Series sure, opener for them. Sure, uh, you know you're not going to get a little bit more pressure than a Friday start. So they do have multiple other options. So, so, so I'm not I'm not really worried about that. I think it tells you what they think of Brian Johnson. Exactly. You know, it tells you more that way. Uh, UCLA, though, number two, last year's runner-up. Uh, you know, I don't want to go into that level of depth as we did with Florida for every team here, Aaron, but um, I guess the big question for the for the, the Bruins are uh, they've got Cole and Bauer, and if you haven't already read the Bauer and Cole feature that Aaron did, you need to read that. It's free at BaseballAmerica.com. 
But they're clearly relying heavily on three freshmen. Adam Plutko is their number three starter. And then the bullpen, Nick Vandertwig and Eric Jaffe, the Cal transfer, are, are crucial parts of that bullpen already. Yeah, and Zach Weiss is probably going to be their midweek starter as a fourth freshman. So um, that, that to me is the, is the one concern with UCLA is, is, uh, is the experience on the mound after Colin Bauer and the lack of lefties in the bullpen. I, mean, I do think those are two legitimate concerns. I mean, it's, they're, not, they're not huge concerns. I don't think it's right. going to stop UCLA from getting to Omaha. But just if UCLA is playing Florida, for example, you yeah. better have a lefty out of the bullpen to face Tucker or Johnson. Yeah, and, and all they have is Mitchell Beacom, really. I mean, that's the only guy that they can, they can go to who's got experience. Um, you know, they've got a two-way guy who's kind of further down the depth chart, but that's it. Um, so, you know, I, I think that... Uh, what was the guy's name last year? Grace? Mike Grace? Matt, Matt Grace is Matt gone. Grace. Um, you know, of course, they lost Dan Klein and Eric Goodell. I mean, those, that was, those right. were their three mainstays in the pen, and, they, and, and Garrett Claypool when he wasn't starting midweek also. So that was a very underrated part of that team last year. And, and yeah, uh, Klein was outstanding, and Goodell late in the year was yeah, electric. Dynamite, really was, in Omaha especially, just spectacular. So um, uh, they need Vandertig and, 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 and Jaffe to live up to their talent. You know, and it sounds like the coaching staff is encouraged that they will. TCU at number three. Some of the biggest questions for them are at the bullpen and behind the plate. Yeah. They've got a talented catcher in Josh Elander replacing Brian Holiday. But how do they plan to replace Holiday's leadership? I mean, is that irreplaceable, really? They have to find different, yeah. maybe multiple players to be that vocal leader like uh, Holiday was last year? You know, I mean, I think it helps. I think a lot of their leadership will come from the mound with, with Kyle Winkler and Stephen Maxwell and, you know, Matt Perk even. Um I think Taylor Featherston and Jason Coates are those kind of players. You the know, Winkler's definitely got that winning resume. Yes, I mean, he does. Team USA team Juniors, USA. Uh, USA College National Team this summer. Uh, obviously, TCU. Yeah. He's if there's if there's a pitcher who can do that. It's a guy like Winkler who's already uh, sublimated his ego to the rest of, to the greater good by seeing the Friday spot to perk. Right. And uh, you know, he's not he doesn't have ace stuff, but he certainly has ace makeup. And Jerome Pena is another guy that comes to mind for me as as a real. Uh, a leader type, a clubhouse glue type. But as far as Holiday's defense, you know, I think Jimmy Farr is going to catch a lot for them. Uh, Elander's still a little bit of a work in progress. You know, he gives you an offensive upgrade, but uh, uh, I think you'll probably see him at DH, maybe some outfield. Okay. They, they've got some, some ways they can move the lineup around with, with Elander and Von Tunglin, um, giving them some flexibility. And, and you know, I, I think they're a really exciting team. I mean, uh, you know, I, I do think there's some concern about the bullpen. They lost a lot of veterans from that unit, and they really were counting on Caleb Merck, right. uh, who emerged late last year. You know, a guy with a mid-90s fastball and a really good slider. Had Tommy John surgery, so there's a lot of pressure on Eric Miller. I think he's the most important player on that roster. That's saying something. When you've got uh, Matt Perk on that roster, that's saying something. Well, well Perk, I think, is implied. If Perk goes sure. down, they could be in some trouble. Sure, absolutely. But I still, I still like the you, you. You can't just have Perk, Winkler, and Maxwell throwing CGs every game. You're going to yeah. have to have a bullpen, and uh, they need they need a bullpen. And right now, uh, Eric Miller is that bullpen. Uh, to me, the first time I looked at it, I thought there was a clear threesome at the top of our rankings, and then and then there was separation. I don't think that now. I think Vanderbilt is clearly in that group. I think Vanderbilt is closer to Florida, Aaron, at four than they are to Oklahoma and Texas at five and six. To me, Vanderbilt's a very legitimate college series contender, the highest-ranked team that didn't go to Omaha last year. How much pressure do you think is on the Commodores to finally break through? They go to they win a regional last year for the first time since Tim Corbin's first year. They've got Sonny Gray, Grayson Garvin. They're, they're, you talk about depth. This team has depth. It has experience. It has impact freshmen. What's you know what's what what do you think has to click for Vanderbilt 
to not just go to Omaha, but to win it all? I think, Are they a contender I, for that? I think they've just got to play up to their potential. I mean, it's that simple. I, I think you're right about the pressure, you know, and, and it's not something that the coaching staff would probably ever admit. Um, probably the players would never admit it, but it's got to it's gotta be weighing in the back of their mind a little bit that this program hasn't been there. They've been so good this decade, have not been able to get over the hump. Um, you know, and, and if they don't do it now, I think they must realize that – I wouldn't say the window closes. They have a good young team, but it's uh, – it, this is their really good, their best shot since 07 with Price and, and Alvarez on that team. Um, I don't really see a, a real weakness with this team either. I mean, I, I think they're, like you said, I think they're very balanced. I think they're, um, you know, they're, they're they're a solid overall team. I wonder a little bit about shortstop. I mean, they're missing Brian Harris, uh, their right. senior who graduated last year. The division um, one all-time leader in hit by pitches. That's right. I did not realize that till the end of the year. But uh, he was he was I think an underrated component of that team last year, but. Um, Anthony Gomez is, is, a, is a talented player who played second base last year. I don't know that he is really a shortstop. So, I, you know, that's one position where I don't know that you want to have uncertainty. I agree. That's the biggest uh, question mark. And, that, and, and again, up the middle, Kirk Casale, yeah. who's recruited to catch, can catch, but he's never done it over a full year because of a myriad of injuries, one of which was Tommy John surgery. But That's another position you don't want uncertainty. That's so, right. yeah, that's, so right. that's so why they're fourth. That's right. Otherwise, for me, they might have been one, two, or three, but that's why they're four in our ranking. That, and they haven't been to Omaha. Those other three teams have more postseason experience. I mean, it's not a huge difference, but it, it, right. it counts. That, well, on that, yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I think it does count. I think I would have put them ahead of TCU if, if not for the fact that they have the same weakness. TCU. My, my question about TCU catching – up the middle is my same question about Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt's almost a little bit more significant of a question. And they have Matt Perk, Vanderbilt has Sonny Gray. Vanderbilt's pitching is a lot deeper. I like their bullpen better. I wouldn't say it's a lot deeper. I wouldn't say it's deeper. a lot deeper because I mean deeper Maxwell and, and Maxwell and Winkler are both power arms. They're very experienced on weekends, and yeah, I'd rather power I'd rather have those guys honestly at this point than, than Jack Armstrong, who hasn't proven himself right. as consistent. I agree, but I, I I still like the other guy. I like I, I Taylor think Hill and Gibson Taylor Gardner Hill's right there for good. me with Kyle yeah. Winkler. I mean, he just throws just as hard as Kyle Winkler. And, and Vanderbilt's bullpen is, I think, a lot deeper. Than I think GCU's. it's a lot better bullpen. So I'll give you that, too. Yep. Oklahoma and Texas, the next two clubs. Oklahoma is like a non-traditional Baseball America top five team. It's not a team loaded with pro prospects. There's no getting around it, Aaron. This team is so solid yeah. in every aspect. Again, a team that does not have a weakness. Uh, when you broke them down, they don't necessarily have a 70 tool. Uh, a lot of 60s and 50s, 75 intangibles. But in terms of just their physical ability, they don't stand out as exceptional anyway. But, man, they have, they have absolutely no weakness. And this is, to me, the epitome of a, of a grinded-out yeah. team. These guys grind as well as anybody in college baseball. Agreed, absolutely. And and, and I think their offense is pretty close to exceptional. You're I mean, right. I gave You're them right. hitting and Powerball 65s. 65, and, yeah. and um, you know, for college offense, I don't know that it, it gets a whole lot better than this. I mean, you know, it's it's – it's not going to be historically good offense, but it's it's very experienced. Like you said, they ground grind it out. Uh, they beat you a lot of different ways. Right. You know they they, don't, they have some players. They have the team. Maybe they don't run great. Yeah. They have some really slow players, but they have some. They do have some speed on the team. Yes, they do. You know, they, and they're very aggressive. Yeah, absolutely. They don't they don't look pretty. And Cody Ryan doesn't have great stats, but man, what a monster that guy was in the postseason last year. Yeah. Gary Bouchel just such a like a perfect three hole hitter. He's a as a college third baseman, he fits the profile. Leader, power hitter, reliable glove, uh, does everything right. Yes, he runs like he has a piano on his back, but it doesn't matter. The guy is a tremendous college player. So, And their pitching staff, again, there's nothing – there's no special pitch. Uh, maybe, uh, well, 
I guess you can hope that Birch Smith gives him that electric arm. Right. Um, but there's not there's, there's not a shutdown guy there, but there's also, again, like not a huge weakness. I guess they lost their top setup man in the bullpen, whose name I'm blanking. Jeremy on. Irvin. Jeremy Irvin, who was their main trusted kind of moment yeah. of truth guy. Especially, especially down the stretch, right. he really became indispensable for them. But they, they still have some experience in the bullpen with Ryan Duke. They have options down there. Is, is there. Do you see a weakness for them, or is it maybe just the lack of maybe relying almost having to rely on Birch Smith? To come through and be that power arm. Yeah, I mean that's part of it. You know, I mean I think that that Michael Rocha and Bobby Shore are good college pitchers. That you know they're not overpowering. I mean if you stack those guys up with Colin Bauer, or, you know, Sandy Gray, or right. I mean it's not it's Matt not really Perk, the same yeah. ballpark. Matt Perk, but or Texas is pitching staff. Absolutely, sure. I mean Youngman and, and Cole Green, but um, but they're 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 going to compete and and you know. Like some of those Florida guys, they'll put the ball in play and throw strikes, and uh, that means Oklahoma's got to play defense, which is my main concern about them is how are they going to be up the middle? Right. You know, they don't have Caleb Bushyhead for the first part of the season. Um, you know, I, that's it sounds actually like his name, not not a not a not a put down. We just like that name, Caleb Bushyhead, but that happens to also be his name. Uh, it sounds like Jack Mayfield, um, you know, not is, is probably up to the task of filling in there. But Plus, they're moving Max White to second base. That's we don't it. know. We yep. don't know what he's going to do defensively at second base. Yeah, kind there's some skepticism. Guy. There's yeah. some skepticism about his ability to play there. Um, I mean, they've got depth. I mean, on who the was bench. Who was second baseman last year? Dan Black was that uh, Danny Black. Danny Black, right. who they, you know, again, uh, kind of a similarly built guy at the Florida Marlins. Really like, you know, I think they drafted him in the 14th round, but I thought he was a sleeper. Yeah. But again, they're they're replacing. They're having to replace good players in the middle infield to start the year. Right. That might maybe slow their progress out of the gates. But I don't think there's a coaching staff that did a better job with a club last year than Oklahoma. They peaked I agree. at exactly the right time. And Sonny Galloway and his staff just they got the most out of that roster last year. Yeah. Texas probably a team that did not get the most out of its roster last year. That was a pretty veteran, experienced club. It seemed like Brandon Loy being just banged up a little bit all year, never quite being right. And just their, they, they never, they ever really clicked on all cylinders after, uh, say, middle of May. They, yeah. they peaked early. It seems. I like mean, here. you know, they went 50 and 13. You know, and they fell one game shy of Omaha. I mean, I just think that's that's baseball. You're I right. Mean, they lost a they lost a TC, a hot yeah. TCU team. I don't know that you can do a whole lot more to live up to your expectations other than you know going on winning the title. But again, I mean, you're the body of work. I just don't think I don't I don't think Texas had a you know. Was an underachiever necessarily last year? I just think they just didn't I, knock my socks. They, they have a great record. They didn't, their offense especially seemed like they underwhelmed me a little bit. They didn't knock my socks off. And yeah. with, with Keys and Rupp and Molinauer all having so much experience there, I guess I thought they would have a little bit bigger. They offense. hit a lot of home runs last year. I mean, uh, more than they certainly more than they usually do. Um, and they're not going to – 35 power, they're not going to do that this year. Yeah, it's it certainly – it's a different kind of you – know, it's back to more like the 2009 offense, I guess. But, I mean, they need guys like, um, you know, some of these some of these younger players who are stepping in, uh, Mark Payton, Christian Summers, Cole Wallace got to have a, a big sophomore year. I mean, you know, we, we were maybe a little generous with the 50-hit grade there, but, I mean, I think we're, we're trusting in their talent a little bit more than their track record. Um, I think Jordan Atier is actually a pretty good player, and, and I look at his batting average last year; it kind of shocks me yeah, that he no, hit 224. Right. Yeah, um, so and he has power, and he has speed, yeah. and he's a good defensive player. Yeah. I mean, he's got three tools. He needs, uh, and probably four. I'm sure his throwing arm is fine. He kind of needs that hit tool to that's it come around a little bit. But uh, Youngman, Green, Stafford, Milner, Dishery, there's plenty of depth there. Um, how does this pitching staff stack up with? Last year, the four aces they had, and yeah. just the previous years of this kind of the, this recent run that Augie's had there. I mean, it's not as good as last year. You know, they don't have Chance Ruffin. He was, right. he was the best closer in college baseball last year. With, yep. the, with apologies to John Stilson, 
Um, you know, and that's a tough guy to replace. And 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 I I think Hobie Milner's pretty good. Um, you know, if he holds down that that closer job or moves into the rotation, I mean, I think they've got some flexibility with this staff. It is a pretty deep staff, um, but and it has a great left, one. And it's a great left, one-two punch. A little more left-handed than they've been in recent years. Yeah, I, I think, think that's, that's true. One, sure. One difference, just having Milner and Stafford. And, and Andrew McCarrahan is still there. It's kind of a left-handed setup guy. So yeah, I think it's uh, they've got a lot more different looks than uh, um, you know somebody like TCU, for instance. Right. Right. Uh, the defending national champion, South Carolina, Aaron. Uh, we're just gonna, we're gonna maybe try to hit a little, a little bit quicker. Yeah. Uh, you know, for them, it's one of the biggest issues. It's what they're going to do in the weekend rotation. A little thinner than they were last year, where they relied so much on Cooper and Dyson. Uh, Tyler Webb, Michael Roth. Now the injury, I believe, to Nolan Belcher. Yeah, Nolan Belcher had Tommy John surgery. Projected so. number three starter. Who steps in for him, and what's kind of what's the depth picture look like for them on the mound? I think you could be looking at uh, a guy like Adam Westmoreland, you know, who missed last year with an injury. Um, he could maybe start. I think Stephen Neff is an option, another left-hander. Right. Um, you know, maybe Kobe Holmes. I mean, uh, there, there's a couple of different options there. I mean, I, I think really for, for South Carolina, the key is, is Tyler Webb. You know, he's got to take that step forward and be kind of the ace that they hope he can be. Um, and, and can Michael Roth do it over a full season in the starting rotation? I mean, he certainly was monstrous yeah. in Omaha. I mean, the guy could not have pitched any better and, and, on the spot. And they say his velocity took a jump in in the fall. So uh, we'll see. I mean, he certainly has earned the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he had a 134 ERA last year, even Omaha notwithstanding. Yeah, no, he was pretty he was pretty awesome. Um, Cal State Fullerton at number eight. I think people know the, the big names there, the Ramirez brothers. Uh, they're not brothers, obviously, but Nick and Nelly Ramirez, Tyler Pill, uh, a nice freshman class, a newcomer class with uh, Joe Terry, the junior college uh, transfer, settling in at third base. But I know your boy is Richie Pedroza. Uh, can he do a, a you know reasonable Christian Cologne impersonation, or are the Titans going to miss Cologne and Brown too much to to, to go back to Omaha? Uh, you know, I think uh, you know, I think I think Pedroza is going to be really a, a key guy for them. I mean, I, he's 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 just electric. I think I talked about this before. I mean, I think he's. Really exciting. He's got he's got uh, a high energy level. Um, you know he can run and he can play defense and and uh, yeah they're going to miss Cologne and this and looks like a pretty good defensive team though potentially if Pedroza goes to shortstop they look pretty athletic in the outfield. There's some questions about Joe Terry's glove over yeah. at third but up the middle they look you know pretty solid with Orloff and and Pedroza at second and short. Yeah, it seems like they should be well positioned with the new bats. Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, you know, the team built around pitching. You know, I think that's right. a great place to start. I think they're going to be just fine. I think they could be very good, in fact. And uh, another thing, uh, other aspect there, they might have a gaudier record than usual. They always put up some pretty good record, but the Big West really looks plum for the pickings, doesn't it? Well, for them? you know, A, they've got a really, really tough non-conference schedule. Okay. I think it's the toughest in the nation. I mean, it's it's absurd. Um, you know, they're they're going to TCU. I think they're going to LSU. Um, you know, it's 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 a it's a very rigorous schedule, but also um, they, uh, you know, I think Irvine is pretty good. Um, you know, I think Cal Poly, Cal Poly and and, uh, and UC Riverside are pretty good. Uh, Riverside actually is the team that I kind of think is is a little bit under the radar. Matt Andres uh, starting on Friday. Yeah, Am I pronouncing that right? Matt Andres with um, um, you know Larkins and Emmons there. I mean, it's it's a bunch of upperclassmen on the mound. Um, you know, they've got some nice veterans in the lineup. I mean, that's a team that, that tends to compete every every two or three years, it seems like. They, uh, you know, they're, they're not a team that, that can compete every year necessarily because, um, you know, they have to restock their roster. But, but they do such a great job there. 
um, recruiting and developing especially, right. um, that uh, they don't stay down for long. So I think Riverside could be a sleeper. But, but yeah, I mean, on the whole, uh, clearly I think Fullerton is the class of that league. It's not even close. Yeah, it's just, it used to be that, you know, there was Irvine when Coach Serrano was there. And, it's, you know, it's still a solid program, but it's not the same uh, level that it was in 2007 when they went to Omaha in 2008. And it's going to be interesting to see Irvine without Daniel Babona and Eric Pettis. Those yeah. guys were... Uh, you know, so crucial for their uh, success for four years. Irvine's strength is very much in its position players this year, and and on the mound, it's it's a bunch of new faces that, uh, you know, freshmen that could be good, but they're freshmen. Absolutely. Um, To me, Aaron, uh, I think, and to everybody, the big shock is that UConn's in our top ten at nine. UConn nine, Clemson ten, you know, two New England themes, kind of a joke, but Jack Leggett loves his uh, New England players uh, there at Clemson. Uh, How did UConn which actually plays its game in the north. Its games in the north get better uh, talent than Clemson or the, all these teams behind it. What's what's been the key uh, to Jim Penders and his seven years there turning this program around from you know the affable Andy Baylock, their previous coach, who was a great guy, was on a bunch of ABCA committees, and UConn was never really a factor, to where now they're just clean up and recruiting in the New England in the New England area every, all the time and and have two potential top ten overall picks in Matt Barnes and George Springer. You know, they've identified guys uh, that have big tools in high school but aren't polished at all. And, and, you know, if you go back and read my draft write-ups on Springer and Barnes out of high school and Nick Ahmed, I mean, they were guys, you know, they were intriguing to scouts, mm-hmm. but they were so rough that you really, you know, no sca- no, no pro team was going to take a chance on them. I mean, so that's player development has been crucial to you. Sure. I mean, and, and evaluation. They recognize the tools, you know. I mean, um, but that's, that's, I think, the blueprint for how you build a program in the Northeast. You've got to take advantage of, of the local talent that just hasn't blossomed yet. And, and I mean, maybe they, they've caught a little bit of lightning in a bottle with the caliber of talent that they've, they've had there lately. But, right. um, but they've they done a great had, job. But they had other guys who weren't like that, like Pierre LePage. Yeah. Uh, Mike Holt was a raw guy, I'm sure, but uh, he was a guy who was able to come right in as a freshman. That's right. And contribute, and he hit the ground running. He hit for power all three years. He was at UConn. He even played shortstop his freshman right, year. Right, right. Now he's gone, but uh, you know, L.J. Mazzilli is in their lineup again. Uh, son of Lee Mazzilli. He, he it's a again a, a middle infielder. You're, you're replacing LePage. Here's a middle infielder with some juice, with yeah. some bloodlines. Um, is there a weakness on this team that you see? What what could prevent UConn from getting to the Colorado Series besides the fact that they never even won a regional? Yeah, I mean, being a northern team has it just has its disadvantages. I mean, this was a team that going into our ranking process, I had lower, mm-hmm. and and uh, and as I wrote them up and I graded them out, I said they scored I, well in the fit matrix. They scored, I think that they probably scored second behind Florida overall in do. my little my little <laughs> my my fit matrix that I trademarked do. fit matrix, but. Uh, but, you know, I mean, there's look at it. It's above average tools across the board, above average grades across the board. I don't think there's one grade less than 60, you know. I yeah. mean, that that just that, that goes to their talent, uh, their balance, their depth. Um, they're really good. They're just playing really good. It's going to be fascinating to see if UConn can just, just you know, now that they actually are a known quantity, now they expect to win, to go out yeah. there and do it, to win the Big East uh, over, over the teams like St. John's and Louisville. And we think St. John's is quite good. They're ranked this year. Louisville, which has been the beast of the Big East, has joined the league. Um, now they're the favorite to, to, to do that, start to finish, and then to go into the postseason where they're not just happy to be there. Yeah. You know who they remind me of, John, is they remind me of last year's Coastal team a little bit. Yeah. Because, yeah. first of all, they have tons of speed. Yeah. I mean, they, they were second in the nation's stolen bases last year. They've got Ahmed and Farrader and Springer, all those guys have 30-plus steals. El- Elliot Glenn playing the role of, uh, of, of Cody, Cody Wheeler. Wheeler. To Matt Barnes as Anthony Mayo, I Ray love Carl. it. Yeah, yeah. And, and and like Coastal, you know, they're one of those programs that 
um, you know, maybe doesn't have believers. They haven't been to Omaha before. They're right. not really a major program historically. Right. Um, Hosting coastal. is a huge deal to them. Yeah. You know, so that last year's regional went well to all, by all accounts. Right. Won by Florida State. I think if you're a team – I think UConn, though, the difference maybe this year, Aaron, UConn has a chance to be a one seed at its regional this year yeah. as opposed to last year being a two. Uh, does UConn have the kind of schedule that they, they, that they will be a one seed? And how about uh, – is there any question about UConn schedule-wise that might uh, – is there a chance that they could even be a top eight national seed? You know, it, I, I, we've got them projected as a top eight in our in – our, uh, our rankings, which maybe is a little too ambitious, but you'll get to but, see them out west. That's right. I mean, but the thing is, if Louisville was a top eight seed last year, and I believe they were, they were. Um, I don't see why UConn can't be. You know, I mean, they did win 48 games last year and, and wind up as a two seed somehow. But, um, but you know, they're, they're, they've got three, four games at San Diego. They're playing at UC Irvine. They're playing Cal, yeah. San Diego State, Oregon State, Oregon Michigan, State. Minnesota. I mean, it's a College of Charleston. They're playing Southern Miss. I mean, they've got some good non-conference games. Uh, and I think the league itself is pretty strong this year. You know, they get to play St. John's and Louisville in South Florida. I mean, I, I don't think it's that weak of a, of a schedule. It's pretty strong. Rest, I know looking at the rest of the Big East, like Rutgers has a really strong non-conference schedule. That'll probably help. That'll help a little bit in the RPI that other Big East schools are, are challenging themselves a little bit. Agreed. Um, you know, the, the, the fewer of those, uh, I mean, so much of it is out of your control. That's the problem that UConn has. And then Clemson, we're rounding out the top ten by talking about Clemson. At 10, went to Omaha last year. Uh, obviously, they lose two big keys. Casey Harmon, who was their best pitcher the last couple of years, and Kyle Parker, their power play in the middle of the, middle of the uh, lineup. They do return unexpectedly, John Henson. I think this is a chance to be a dynamic offensive team, Aaron. Agreed. Uh, you know, Henson, Schaus, uh, Brad Miller, who I think is rated for a big junior season. Yeah. Offensively, especially, let's see about the defense. To me, defense up the middle and their pitching staff, they don't, have, they don't have the pitching staff full of swing and miss guys. And let's face it, Brad Miller's defense has been atrocious in two years at Clemson. Uh, that combination scares me a little bit. Does that scare you a little bit about, about the Tigers? Yeah. I mean, that's why they're number 10. You know, they're top team yeah. in the ACC, um, but they're behind the Big East team. Um, you know, I, I think the ACC is a little bit down this year. and, and ACC down. A- SEC, I think, is less deep than usual, Aaron. Let's talk a little conferences. I mean, the ACC being down, Clemson – Florida State are both good teams, but you know. And Virginia, I think, is good. Those are the top three teams in my mind as well. Yeah. But you only have one ACC player on the first team preseason All-American, which is uh, Danny Holson. Danny Holson. Yeah, some second-team guys, but even those guys. You know, Mike McGee is a great college player, less of a great prospect. John Gilmartin, talented, doesn't have an out pitch. Really struggled in the second half of the year last year. Harold Martinez hasn't hit 300 yet in two college seasons. Probably not going to do that with the new bats this year. He does have great power. Um, you know, Georgia Tech has. Jed Bradley, who's got great talent, but hasn't necessarily put it together start to finish. Yeah. Um, the whole ACC just seems a little unfinished. Yeah, it does, and, and I don't think it's as deep as it has been. I believe they had eight teams in regionals last year. Yeah, I think you're right. And and they're not going to get eight this year because there's only seven good teams, in my opinion. North Carolina's not as good as it has been recently. I think years. North Carolina's they're pretty comp- pretty comparable they were last year. I don't, they, I don't think they're quite as good as they were last year because they don't have Harvey at the top. And they don't have Goodwin. And they don't have Brian Goodwin. You know, those are the two most talented, raw raw talent-wise, the most yeah. talented players last year. I think the supporting cast in the lineup this year should be better than it was <laughs> last year. Um, I actually like it a little bit better because a lot of those guys who were freshmen and sophomores last year mature. You know, I expect better things out of Stallings or yeah. uh, um, uh, Coyle at second base. But so much depends on, you know, not to get bogged down on UNC, but so much depends on how their freshmen like Holburton and, yeah, and Colin Moran play. They're, and Thomas Zengel. I mean, those are guys that aren't really household names. 
um, that uh, they they really like. But you know, let's, let's know see what happens. Those, I don't know who those guys are. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, they're not household names even in the Baseball America college offices. Um, but yeah, I mean, NC State I think is talented, but there's some real iffy questions there. Their pitching was a real problem last yeah. year, and uh, they lost their main stalwart in the rotation, Jake Buchanan. That's so, right. Uh, you know, how Jake, they, I'm, I'm sorry, Corey Mazzoni. I mean, you know, is, yes. is, I think we've talked very before. talented player. He's got a great, great arm, and uh, I think he could be one of the more dominant pit, Friday pitchers in, in, in the league for sure. Right. Um, I think I actually think I like uh, NC State even a little bit more than you do, but I mean, they have questions. I mean, their bullpen, Georgia Tech, really not down in terms of talent to where they've been in recent years, but so young. I mean, yeah. that questionnaire probably has more freshmen on it, Aaron. Uh, they their starting lineup than any other team in yeah, the country. They're all over the place, and that's why they're not ranked, because I, I really like their pitching. Yeah. You know, Jed Bradley, Mark uh, Mark Pope, Pope, Pope. And, and, and Buck Farmer, I think, is a great starting rotation, and they've got a good bullpen, too, built around. Even if Kevin Jacob isn't, right. isn't, doesn't come back effectively. Early reports are not sanguine on, uh, yeah. on Kevin Jacob coming back from his arm injury from last right. year. Right. But, uh, you know... They're 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 going to be very good on the mound, which gives them a real chance. They're certainly a regional right. team, I think, even with all their youth in their lineup. But they're just not as good as they were last yeah. year, or they have, they have as good as they have been the last couple of years. I mean, losing Deck McGuire and Derek Dietrich matters for them. Yeah. Um, but, but, but I think overall that league is a little down. I think the SEC three teams in the top seven, but the SEC West, Aaron, completely wide open. We have LSU as the favorite; they're in the top twenty-five. There's certainly questions about them on the mound. Yeah. And the rest of the SEC West, Arkansas lost a ton. Auburn lost a ton from the team that lost the, that led the nation in home runs, lost most of those home runs. Um, you know, Alabama lost its entire infield. I like uh, Ole so, Miss. Yeah, okay. I do. I mean, I, you know, a lot depends, again, on their mound, uh, on their pitching, you know, because, um, you know, Matt Krause showed flashes last year. Now he's your Friday guy. I mean, he's no Pomerantz. Right. I mean, uh, David Goforth was not good last year. Yeah, they say he's better. Um, I want to see it, and the same goes for for Austin Knight on Sunday, who's, who's got a really good arm, is junior college guy, had some makeup issues in the past. People question the, the toughness, but um, you know, but it's a great arm. So I mean, I, I do think that they're they're um, a pretty good balanced team, and I think that's that's a pretty good sleeper. I'm saying, let's face it, Ole Miss has been pretty good under Mike Bianco. Every year they're they've been they're, they are in the mix. They haven't been to Omaha since 1972. You know, we know all that. They're they're the haters love to point that out about Ole Miss. Let's be honest. Ole Miss's program has been one of the SEC's top five programs for like the last five, six, seven years. They're in it every year. Yeah, they've won regionals. You know, they've right. just fallen short of Omaha, but right. uh, they're going to be in it this year too. Exactly. Right? To believe them that they're going to fall off the face of the earth because they lost Drew Pomeranz, yeah. that ain't going to happen. No. Nope. Oh, Coach Bianco really just has that program at a a better level than that. Uh, the yeah. rest of the SEC East, there in Tennessee, Kentucky, and I'm leaving out the other team that's not ranked in that division, Georgia. Yeah. Uh, all three of those teams, I think we could all see all three of those teams falling flat on their face, or we could see all three of those teams challenging for a regional berth they're yeah. making. I mean, they're all pretty uh, – they all seem pretty up in the air to me. Agreed, absolutely. And, and you know, I think you and I are picking Georgia as the eighth yep. team in the SEC, eighth and final team, um, because we're, we're just not ready to give up on that, right. that talented <laughs> junior class that just hasn't right. panned out yet. Um, but, uh, you know, they, on paper they look pretty good. I agree. We've got Let's the, see him do it now. I don't think the SEC is as deep as it usually is. I don't think the ACC is as top-heavy as it usually is. The Big 12 seems like a solid league, maybe a little bit stronger than it has been in past years at its current uh, – well, I guess there are 10 teams – no, 11 teams in the Big 12 right now in baseball. There's 10. There's 10. No Iowa no State. No Iowa State. No Colorado. Oh, no Colorado. I always forget about them. So then the next year there will be nine with no Nebraska. The Big 12 will have nine teams in it. Stay hot, college sports. 
Um, but I think that, you know, half of that league is probably going to regionals. I think we think that Nebraska yeah. is in that. And I could see more than that. Mix. You know, I like Nebraska as my, as my fifth team. Um, I could see Kansas State. You know, I mean, I could see I could Oklahoma see State. State. I could see Oklahoma State, exactly. I was like, Oklahoma State, um, they have a couple of personal cheese balls. Andrew Heck from the transferring in from yeah. Duquesne. But also uh, Gabe Widenar, a high school from, a, from one of the first families of baseball in, 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 uh, in Montana, the Widenars. Uh, and he went to College of Southern Nevada last year. He's projected there as their everyday center fielder and heck as their everyday DH. Yeah. A couple of transfers that could be impact transfers there, but I really like Andrew Haney, their Friday guy, left-hander, uh, you know, a sophomore. I think he's going to be one of those breakout stars this year. It's remarkable to me though that uh, that Oklahoma State was last in the, SC, in the in the Big 12 last year. They were last in ERA. They were last in runs scored. It was just a total system failure for the Cowboys. And, big uh, big year for that team. For that I think program. it is. I think it's a big year for Frank Anderson. You know, I think it's a big year for Todd Raleigh in Tennessee. I think it's a big year for Gary Henderson in Kentucky. Yeah. Dave Perno talks about, oh, we're not on the hot seat. You're on the hot seat. He knows yeah. he is. He knows he's he, 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 No, he said he is. Yeah, okay. I mean, well, he though that he's hearing it anyway. Okay. I mean, it's, uh, there's a lot of coaches like that. That's amazing that college baseball is at a point in 2011 where coaches have to win or else. That didn't used to be the case in college baseball. Aaron, we have a couple Twitter questions. Uh, you can follow, of course, at Aaron Fit, uh, at John Manuel BA. Uh, let's see how many followers I'm at, Aaron. I think I'm still ahead of you. 2284, where are you? I think I passed you. I think I surged past 2300. Son of a bitch. Really? Yeah. I'm going to tweet a little bit more often. College season, you're going to surge right past me. It's going to happen. Uh, or, of course, you can follow Baseball America at Baseball America. Um, one of our questions here is uh, talk about uh, Dickerson, Johnson, and company are going to blast the Hoosiers to, re- to regionals, and is Blake Monar healthy this year? Uh, Blake Monar is listed in your uh, Indiana questionnaire as coming back. They have him penciled in. I think the word is penciled into their weekend rotation. Aaron, I don't think we have Indiana. I don't, we have the Big Ten as a one-bid league. Yes, we do. Year. I think that's a pretty safe bet, frankly. I don't. I just don't see a second team after Minnesota. I mean, Michigan State, Indiana, Michigan, those three teams are all pretty solid. Uh, but it just, you know. But Minnesota's the favorite. Minnesota's the favorite, and I don't, I don't see a second, a second team getting in this year from that league. But they do have a Blake Monar penciled as the number two starter behind freshman Joey Donato, who sounds like he should be in the Northeast Conference. Every player, I think, in the Northeast Conference – is of Italian-American heritage. <laughs> At least it seemed that way through the questionnaires. I do think uh, just going through the questionnaires in the Big Ten, the Big Ten coaches seem to think Indiana is going to be very competitive. Uh, but I don't think I don't think it's reasonable to expect this. To, this is not going to be the Big Ten in the last couple of years where, there was the, where they were threatening to send two, three, well, one year almost four, sent four teams to regional. This is a, this is a one-bid league this year. I mean, of course, when that happens, anything can happen in the league tournament. I do think Minnesota's a safe favorite atop that league. Yeah, I think so. Um, going back to the conferences, Aaron, we've talked about the, the, the three big uh, – out of the four big conferences, we've talked about three of them. The Pac-10 is ridiculously loaded. The Pac-10 is loaded, yes, I mean, it, it couldn't be uh, – it really couldn't be any stronger. On the top ten, obviously, you have UCLA. Um, I believe there's only the Pac-10 team in the top ten, correct? Um, that uh, is correct. Yeah, Arizona State's number 11. That's the next team. So then you have Arizona State at 11. Uh, the, the 11 to 25 is just chock full of Pac-10 goodness. You have uh, Arizona State 11, potentially, however, not going to postseason. That's one thing we have to kind of one caveat. Right now, they're out of the postseason. Uh, they they are on this NCAA probation, which they're appealing. Mm-hmm. But Stanford at 13, Oregon at 14. Um, I'm a little surprised that neither one of us picked Oregon as our Omaha sleeper. I mean, we had uh, to go outside the top 25 oh, that's right. for that. Well, there you go. 
Oh, weren't they your sleeper last year? No. Okay, I don't know why I thought they were our sleeper last year. We have Cal on the possible last year of Cal baseball. We have Arizona at 19. Um, I mean, just how good are the uh, how how good is even like the bottom of the uh, of the Pac-10? I mean, Washington State, I think we think is a regional team, don't we? Yeah, I think Washington State's a re- regional team, and I think a lot will depend on uh, how healthy Chad Arnold comes back. You right. know, he's some bone chip issues and his elbow, and uh, uh, and he's the race. You know, he's a winner. He's really good. I mean, Adam Conley's got the best stuff on the staff. But, but Arnold's, but Arnold's pitched Fridays. Uh, he's pitched weekends, Fridays and Saturdays for the last two years. Yeah. Um, are, are UW and, and USC just going to wear it all year from the, how good the rest of the Pac-10 is? I mean, the potential seems like it's there for them to go, like, you know, six and eighteen. That's what I think hurts those two teams. Washington especially. I think Washington is going to struggle uh, a lot in that league. But USC, I kind of like their talent. I, I, you know, theoretically, Austin Wood and Andrew Triggs give you a chance on Friday and Saturday if they, you know, I mean, I, I know how you feel about Austin Wood. You're not a believer, but he, personal, if it comes together for him, I mean, the guy throws 99. You know, I mean, he's he's got in a short chance. Spurts. Yeah, uh, short spurts. They're still using metal bats. BB core or not. He hasn't gotten people out. Third school in three years. I'm just not a big fan yeah. of that person. That said, the fact that those those eight teams ahead of them are so strong, I think hurts them. Um, you know, and and uh, it, it's it's a really it's a really good league. I mean, Oregon State. We've got the eighth place team. I'm, I'm leaving out the Beavers. I, I can't mean, believe I leave that. They've got they've got all kinds of pitching, and and I think still no, they do. Yeah, they still do. You know, I mean, they still have San Gaviglio and Osich, and I mean, Gaviglio stepped in as a freshman, and behind all that talent, and. Lineup was the Friday starter that weekend anyway, uh, that year anyway. So, uh, how much of a game changer can Garrett Nash be for them? A fourth uh, unsigned fourth round yeah. pick. Uh, do you think that he impacts their offense? With can he set the table for Andrew Susack and the rest of those guys? Boy, he's I think he's crucial. You know, he seems he's, like he, he brings some explosiveness that they just haven't had lately. Um, he's a guy who in 2007, I foolishly left him out of our top 200. But if he'd been on the top 200, he would have been the fastest yeah. runner. An entire 2007 draft. People loved that guy. And then he went on a two-year LDS mission. Did he play a year at Oregon State? I believe he, he did. did. He played his freshman year. Played his freshman <laughs> year. Um, you know, we have a feature on him in the upcoming issue uh, by our own Bubba Brown, our intern from last summer. To me, the O-State ballers are a threat. Uh, and they're, like you said, they're yeah. eighth in the league. And, and Jake Rodriguez is the other guy to keep an eye on there. He's a freshman, uh, I believe, from, from California who, who came in and, and they think he's going to play right away at third base. Um, he's going to drive the ball around. I think he and, and Nash are the two newcomers that have a chance to make that, that lineup better. I mean, Arizona State still the best lineup in that league. Oh, yeah. I think it's the best away. lineup in the country, John. Far, far and away in that league and in the country. They, they've got four preseason All-Americans just in their lineup. That's ridiculous. If they had any... Did I just spill the beans on that one? We haven't released that yet. No, we didn't say who. That's but right. But if, if, if they have any pitching at all um, that, that was proven in a Pac-10 weekend. I mean, it's not easy to pitch in the Pac-10 on yeah. weekends. Uh, meanwhile, Oregon, you know, probably relying more on freshmen in their lineup than you'd like. That's why they're at 14, maybe not in the top 10. I think we like Oregon's talent as much as anybody in that league. But then I think in terms of talent, just sheer talent, Stanford probably has as much talent as anybody in the whole country, don't they? I agree with you. I mean, it's young, and, and you know, it's not as polished right. as, as Florida's young talent. I mean, right. Florida has a lot of good sophomores, too, and, and freshmen, but but Stanford has but guys. Like Wilson or, or, or yeah. Brian, Brian Regeira or A.J. Venegas. Sure. Venegas is the one guy for Stanford who has the polish. Yeah, that's right. Venegas, you know, he, he's, he's the guy who I think is he's my, my pick for uh, freshman of the year this year. Give away year. the crystal ball. I just gave away the crystal ball. I can't believe it. I can't remember who my who even was my freshman. You, 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 you can Dylan save that Covey. one. It was Dylan Covey. Now I'm not saving it. All right, we Dylan just gave Covey. you a taste of crystal ball. A little more, a little more polished. Now last year's crystal ball, by the way, was pretty good. We both picked Anthony Rendon. I mean, I suppose in some ways that one's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. We both picked Anthony Rendon, <laughs> but that was kind of an easy call. 
Yeah. Who were our preseason freshman picks last year? Who was our freshman? I think one of us at least. At least one of us Matt had Perk. Perk. I think I had Perk. You picked Perk. I don't remember who I picked. Was it Matt Perk? <laughs> um, no, I got that one wrong. You're going to find the crystal ball now and uh, out my awful picks. I know I picked Minnesota. I was very excited about Minnesota uh, getting getting to Omaha as my sleeper, but they uh, weren't able to Here hold on in the, uh, Here it is. in the uh, regional last year at Fullerton. National champion, I, I took Texas. You had Fullerton. Both teams that fell just short of, of, Omaha. of Omaha. I mean, really right. good teams that, yes. you know, what are you going to do? Ran into very good teams and yeah, supers. That's it. That's basically, it. TCU and, and the UCLA. Omaha sleepers. Uh, you had Minnesota, which I think was not, you know, not a bad sleeper pick. They almost won a regional at Fullerton, for right. God's sake. Right. And for as far as sleepers, that's, that, I think that one makes you look good. Uh, I had Vanderbilt, which, again, fell just one, one game one game right. short of, of uh, yeah, the year Omaha. before, my sleeper pick was, was uh, Coastal. Or maybe that was two that's years right. ago. That's right, yep. Okay. Uh, we both had Rendon for Player of the Year, um, Pitcher of the Year. You had Deck McGuire, who had a solid year, and I had Anthony Rendon, who did not. Renato. Renato, thank you. Their names are too similar. Though. Yeah, and then uh, freshman of the year I had Perk, and, and you had Kenny DeKroger, who is a freshman All-American. So that's a fine pick, also. Not bad on, uh, not bad all the we way. We did around, pretty well last year. I think we did. Um, I think we did better than the year before, which we won't even mention. But uh, this year, I'm not going to give away the crystal ball. We just did the fresh. We did the freshman. Um, I think it's also safe to say we both picked Anthony Rendon again. For oh, you spilled the, the beans. Yeah, exactly. Who would have ever figured that? Aaron, uh, we'll have a podcast next week with uh, uh, Connor Glassy and myself talking talk a little bit more draft, but uh, it wouldn't be a, a Baseball American podcast without talking a little draft. And I mean, Anthony Rendon, best player, best college player of the fit era. You've been wow. covering college baseball here since 2004, correct? Uh, I guess I guess 05 was my first full season on the beat. Yeah. <clears throat> um, our college player of the year that year was what Alex Gordon. That's right. 2006, Anthony uh, was uh, Andrew, Andrew Miller. Miller. I mean, Lincecum was was the guy also in that year. that year. We also had Evan Longoria and Ryan Braun. You know, I mean, well, Ryan Braun 05. Uh, uh, no, 05 right. was loaded. You're right. Yep. And 05 Zimmerman. had Ryan Zimmerman, <clears throat> Gordon, Braun, Lloyd Braun. Uh, <laughs> Plenty of college talent in that 2005 draft that's already made there. You know, yeah. Troy Tulowitzki, Jeff Clement, who didn't make it to the big leagues so much, but he made it, but he wasn't so good. No, uh, I Ricky think Ramiro. That was a, 2005 is a pretty loaded draft. But is Rendon the best player, position player? Do you take him over Tulowitzki over a Longoria? That's tough. Uh, would I take him as far as his future? Yeah. I'm, th- I'm talking about. I'm not, not going to take him over Tulowitzki. I mean, Tulowitzki is a superstar. I mean, he's one of the best players in baseball. So is Longoria. Whiskey makes You're right, Longoria five times, too. ten times as much money. It's amazing how yeah, different their true. contracts are. Um, you know, I mean, I like the... I think he compares very favorably to Evan Longoria. You know, yeah, I mean, he's got, he's got not maybe... Mm. I, I was going to say he doesn't have as much power, but he's in I the think discussion. He has just as much power. I think he has just yeah. as much thunder. I think the difference is that Longoria's got a little bit better body. Yeah, he's bigger. Bit, he just looks more the part. He's not as squat, maybe, yeah. as Rendon. He might be a little bit better athlete than Anthony Rendon. I think I'd take Anthony Rendon over Evan Longoria. I, mean, I, I wouldn't take Anthony Rendon over Bryce Harper. Right. Now, Jim Callis says otherwise. I would take Bryce Harper over Anthony Rendon. I would, too, but it's close. It I mean, is it, close. It, which says something, because Harper's tools are insane. But right. I mean, Rendon's tools are insane. I mean, Rendon is... Uh, I think he is the I think he is the best college position player um, since, since oh, I started covering right. college baseball in 05, yeah. I'm not sure if he's better. Like my first year at BA was a, was 96, and JD Drew did go 30-30 in 1997. I should mention I should mention Buster Posey too. He's got to be. Oh, this good grief, Buster Posey! We left him out. Buster Posey's 2008 season was insane. Was insane. As was Gordon Beckham's. 
Yeah. And Buster Posey, I mean, again, personal cheese ball only as a pitcher, though. I mean, yeah. I have to say, I mean, I always <laughs> loved Buster Posey, but I loved him as a pitcher yeah. out of high school. I certainly wasn't alone. Most, I think a lot of scouts wanted him as a pitcher. But uh, what that guy has done in the big leagues, I think, still surprises me. He just keeps getting better. I think I think Rendon's first two years are more impressive than Posey's first two years, but let's let's see if he can have a Posey like junior year. I, but as far as talent goes, those are, to me are the top two talent wise guys I that I, I think I've seen in college. Posey's had the best. I think it's not a. It's kind of interesting that the best seasons I can think of, the seasons that stick out the most to me among college players, a lot of times have been done by Florida State players. JD Drew '97, Stephen Drew's freshman year in 2002, when he had like a 30 some game hit streak. And Florida State won 26 games in a row before losing in a Super Regional to Notre Dame. That was a transcendent season. I mean, he was – I mean, Khalil Green was our college player of the year, and he had a Gordon Beckham-type season, a Buster Posey-type season. But Stephen Drew almost beat him out for player yeah. of the year. If he yeah. played the full season and hadn't missed a third of the year, right. he would have been our freshman, uh, freshman of the year and our player of the year. John, I notice you're not you're – not, uh, there's no pitchers on the, in this list. I think that the moral of the story is a pretty good place to hit. It's part of it. Oh, Florida State? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there are no pitchers on that list. Tony Thomas, uh, Shane Robinson, those guys had pretty darn good years, Sugar too. Shane. Sugar <laughs> Shane Robinson did have a – he was collegiate baseball's player of the year one year. I think uh, 2005. I think Tony Thomas might have been also. I think he might have been. Yeah, you're right. Um, uh, but, yeah, uh, Florida State and then uh, but then Buster Posey, 2008. Those are some transcendent seasons. Those are three legit players, too, the Drews. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. I mean, those are legit. Those guys. And also, how can I forget? Marshall McDougal. All-time John Manuel favorite. All-time John Manuel cheese ball. I mean, the, the guy who kind of I had to invent that phrase for. I mean, uh, I love Marshall McDougal. Six home runs in a game, led the nation in everything in 1999. We've gone on way too long in this podcast. but uh, It's been a fun, rambling podcast. I hope our listeners have enjoyed it. I, I hope so. But I have to say that uh, the, 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 the key thing for me, for uh, Rendon, is just uh, as long as he proves that he's healthy with that ankle and yeah. he's as mobile and agile, um, the separator for me with him, all those other players we talked about is defense. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's he's a like spectacular a, defender at third base. That's what like, I was that's what I was trying to head with all those other things. Jim Callis had, a, had talked to a scouting director recently who said he's like a cross between Longoria and Zimmerman. He's got a lot of Zimmerman's defensive attributes, and not that Longoria is a, sh- a schlub defensively, right? But, but Zimmerman I think is really really special defensively, and Rendon is similar to that. At the college level, Zimmerman's defense was ahead of his offense, especially yeah. his first two yep, years. No I mean, he hit one home run as a sophomore, right? So his that, that's where I think the comparison comes in. Uh, to Zimmerman is that if it weren't for the fact that he was such an amazing hitter, Rendon's defense could be ahead of his offense. 23 straight games last year at the end of the year with no errors, yeah. five errors for the whole year, even mixing in a little bit of shortstop to, to give Ricky Haig a tutorial on how to play shortstop. I, so don't, I don't think they put him at shortstop. He did. No, he, he did, did play yeah. shortstop last year. He absolutely did. I, I missed that. Yeah, no, he, he played, uh, I think it was like three or four games at shortstop. Okay. So, um, Anthony Rendon seems like he can do whatever he wants to put his mind to, so... Uh, it's a, it should be it's shaping up as a great year for college baseball. You're going to be covering it for Southern California this year, Aaron. Uh, where do you start the year? Where you where what's your kind of your schedule early so people yeah. can can be looking out for you and make you blow way past me in the Twitter universe. I'm uh, I'm going to see Sonny Gray on opening day at uh, San Diego, and uh, probably that night I'll see Tyler Mazenko, the Winthrop ace, nice. against against San Diego State. Moving and then, from the bullpen to the Friday starter spot, yeah. outstanding. And then Saturday I think I'm going to try to see North Carolina, either at Fullerton or USC. Uh, I think Cal Poly and Missouri are also going to be. I'm going to try to catch two or three games on Saturday as well. Well, Matt Stites, so now he'll be on Friday night for, for Michigan. Most likely. Uh, Missouri, I should say. 
And then the next weekend you're going to Houston, correct? Uh, well, that might be in two weeks. or uh, That's either week three or four. I think it's week three is Houston. Uh, going to see uh, a really good field, uh, a solid field, a lot of good, talented players at, at the Houston College Classic. Uh, uh, the Friday night guys especially, you're looking at Logan Verrett and Alex Meyer. And, um, Meyer. Um, but you're not traveling. Blanks. You're not traveling with that uh, that second weekend of the year. You'll just be I don't there. think so. I think it's another pretty good weekend. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of good teams coming to Southern California. Early. You got you got Arizona at Long Beach State that yep. second weekend. Uh, that's that's never bad. Uh, UCLA. You can always go see UCLA. Yeah. <laughs> there's always something worth uh, worth going to see there. Um, I think we we're talking about sending uh, Connor Glassy over to see Vanderbilt and Stanford. Uh, I think I know Connor really wants to go do that. We'll see if we'll see if we can pull that off. And there's a possibility that I might still be going down to the uh, Big East Big Ten Challenge, although right now I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll be out and about covering college baseball this season. We have our intern, Teddy Cahill, be contributing on the college side. Of course, Connor Glass on the draft side. And, and Casey Hall, we've got another intern as well who should be contributing. So she'll we, be in the we, D3 we have, uh, California beat. Yeah. Uh, more than that, I hope. But uh, in other words, college baseball, uh, your college baseball destination, baseballamerica.com, at Aaron Fit on Twitter at John Manuel B.A., and it's all brought to you uh, by our myriad of sponsors, but the podcast is still brought to you by MLB Network. So check us out in our various forms. And, Aaron, uh, we'll see you soon. Uh, I hope so. Uh, hopefully, uh, if not soon, then in Omaha in June. There you go. All right, Aaron. For Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next time on the Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody.